Today's scripture is from Exodus chapter 16, verses 2 through 12. The whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to rain bread from heaven for you, and each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. In that way I will test them, whether they will follow my instruction or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather on other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your complaining against the Lord. For what are we that you complain against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening, and your fill of bread in the morning, because the Lord has heard the complaining that you utter against him, what are we? Your complaining is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the Israelites, Draw near to the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the Israelites, they looked toward the wilderness, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, I have heard the complaining of the Israelites. Say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall have your fill of bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. This morning we are bringing to a close the old school portion of our sermon series by looking at one last passage from the stories of Moses and the Israelites found in the book of Exodus. We started at the beginning of the month with Moses' birth, and then over the weeks we've looked at the stories of the burning bush, the first Passover, and last week the crossing of the Red Sea. Today we close with God's provision of manna and meat in the form of quail, In the wilderness. But there is so much more to this story, so much that we have skipped over and things that we will not get to. But it was so good to turn back to the Old Testament for a month and spend some time gleaning some life lessons for today from these old, old stories. Today's scripture, just like the others we have spent time with, is rich with lessons for us and today in particular, about what trust in God looks like. No, maybe not what it looks like so much as what it feels like. What it feels like in our guts. Because it was the guts of the Israelites that were empty and hungry. It was those growling stomachs of the Israelites that led them to cry out to God once again. Their cries for help when they were enslaved had been heard and had resulted in God's hearing, God sending Moses, God delivering them. 
But now they were in the middle of a desolate place. God had already provided water. The scripture just prior to this one tells us that. But there was no food to be seen. All the people could think about was how they had never gone hungry in Egypt. They were enslaved, but they were fed. This habit of the Israelites to look back on things in Egypt and remember them rather fondly is not something that Moses and God haven't already heard before. And it won't be the last time they mention it in their complaints either. Now, I know that I have always had a tendency when I read these stories to process them something like this. Wow, these people sure are quick to forget what God has done for them. What a bunch of complainers. Aren't they grateful at all? I am not sure how God can put up with them. Then, of course, I realize that the very same things could be said about me. Wow, I sure do complain a lot. It's like I can't keep in my head what God has done for me. I may need to keep a gratitude list written right on the back of my hand. How does God put up with me? Now, maybe some of you who have spent time reading these same stories have had those same sorts of thoughts and takeaways for yourselves. I personally find that this way of digesting the complaining in the wilderness stories to be helpful to me in my personal spiritual journey. I mean, this cycle that we see the Israelites in and that we can get in as well can be very ruthless. It's a carousel we want to get off of, but we can't. It goes like this. Things are going great, and we forget God. We wander away from him, forgetting everything that he has done for us. And then things start to go poorly, and we remember who it is that we can always rely on, We cry out to God for help, and he reaches out, and he restores us, and he delivers us. And then things are good again, and we are prone to begin the whole cycle over again. There is just something about the stories of Exodus, as well as many other Old Testament stories, like all of the stories of the nation of Israel, that show us this cycle over and over again. And when we enter into these stories and see ourselves in them and are moved perhaps to not turn away so quickly from God, or if we realize we already have and we can learn to turn back to him, maybe we are able to keep these cycles from happening over and over again or maybe just help them from happening so frequently. But... This week, as I was studying this passage, something that I read really lifted my eyes and thoughts from these more personal ones in a way that I think is important, in a way that is challenging. And it is not just important and challenging to us as individuals, but also to us as a faith community. And I always think 
that it's important that I preach to us as a community of faith more so than as individuals of faith. What I read was in a commentary written by Reverend Dean McDonald, who pointed out that rather than viewing the Israelites as complainers, even if that is how we individually are able to relate to the story and make meaning of it, rather than viewing them as complainers, we should have concern for them. McDonald writes, If not, we are hardening our hearts to become like Pharaoh. Now remember, Pharaoh, in the face of all of the plagues, over and over again hardened his heart and refused to have mercy on the people, both the Israelites and the Egyptians who were suffering under those plagues. And even after that last and final terrible plague, his heart hardened and he pursued the people after they had left Egypt. And that was a pursuit that ended with his army at the bottom of the Red Sea. If we look at the Israelites as complainers and whiners who are ungrateful to God and untrusting of his provision, who have poor etiquette and who don't know when it would be best to keep their mouths shut, we are people of a hardened heart. McDonald takes this further in this very challenging question. If the community of believers cannot be empathetic with the threat of starvation for the Israelites, how will they be sensitive to the plight of millions of people worldwide who go hungry or are undernourished? It's an age-old problem. We are very short-sighted. The concerns and worries of others are very hard for us to see and hear and hold. The Israelites had every reason to trust that God would not leave them to starve in the wilderness. But in the reality of the situation they found themselves in, who could blame them for crying out for help? And do note, they know who to cry out to. They cry out to God and to the leader he had called for them. And their cry is very dramatic. But even in that cry, they affirm that they know whose hands their lives are in and have always been in. Hear what they said when they started their complaint. If only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. By the hand of the Lord. The hand to which they appeal in the midst of nothingness. The hand which had provided delivery, had provided water, and the hand which could provide food. And provide God did. God promises to rain down from heaven bread each and every day. And he has a few rules about how they are to interact with this God-given gift. Rules that are going to show them how to trust him day by day by day. And rules that will incorporate Sabbath into their lives. A day of rest. Something that was tremendously unique. No other nation of the world celebrated anything 
like this. And to make sure that the hunger that they were feeling right there at the beginning of their journey was sated, God also sent quail to get their bellies nice and full. Shauna Nyquist writes in her book, Cold Tangerines, when you nourish and sustain someone, essentially you are saying you want them to thrive, to be happy and healthy, and able to live well. God wanted his people to thrive, to be happy and healthy, to live well. It was going to take them a long journey through the wilderness with many ups and downs, but he wanted to see them in the promised land, thriving, healthy, happy, and well. He was open to their cries for help, Cries asking for their basic needs to be met in the form of water and food. He was open to their cries and he provided in a way that only God could with bread from heaven. When the people would find themselves lost in the wilderness hundreds of years later, he provided again in a way only God could with the true bread of heaven Jesus Christ, and so that we would not also find ourselves lost in the wilderness today, he provided again in a way only God could with the Holy Spirit. This is a spirit that should give us the ears of God and the eyes of Christ, a spirit that should cause our hearts to break when we hear the cries of those suffering in the world around us, and a spirit that should encourage us to figure out how we can respond in a way that is just as effective as the provision of manna from heaven. We've all heard the statistics, right? The ones that point out that there is no real reason anyone should go hungry in our world today. But they do. Are we a people who seek to be Christ-like, failing to stop and listen to the cries that we hear for help? Are we a people who know that God alone is judge, determining on our own what is a need worthy of being filled, and what is baseless complaining? Are we a people who believe in the promise of eternal life, so despairing of the size of the problems in our world that we fail to work on any at all? May it not be so. And this is my prayer today for myself, for you, for our church. I pray that we will be the people who compassionately hear all cries for help, the people who judge no one's plea, the people who seek to answer in creative ways worthy of our ever-creating God in Jesus' holy name, in the limitless power of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we are thankful for these stories of trust 
and wondering and return to you that we find in the Old Testament. They are so much guidance to us in our own journeys. But Lord, help us to not be so quick to judge the Israelites and certainly not to be quick to judge those around us who are likewise crying out for help. Keep our tendency to judge what we are asked for down and our energy for serving and fulfilling needs up. Lord, help us to be creative just as you always have been. Help us to take the blessings that you scatter for us each and every morning and to multiply them to meet the needs of those that we meet day in and day out. In your son's name, we pray this morning. Amen.